This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor has called out the National Guard after a weekend of violence during protests against police brutality. 150 National Guardsmen were sent to Miramar, 100 to Tampa, 150 to Camp Blanding, which is the headquarters of the Florida Guard. There were disturbances all across the state over the weekend, including Miami, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Jacksonville, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Orlando, and even little old Tallahassee. As more than 200 people marched peacefully through the capital city, the driver of a red pickup truck decided to drive through them. Several marchers were hit, but none suffered serious injuries. Police immediately surrounded the truck and whisked the driver off to jail. Tallahassee's mayor issued a statement that concluded by saying, quote, The peaceful protesters have my unwavering support, and I unequivocally condemn any violence toward protesters. Welcome to day one of the Atlantic hurricane season, which seems a bit belated because we've already had two storms. The sales tax holiday for disaster supplies is now underway. It lasts until Thursday, so now's the time to stock up for storms. Hey, you remember when they used to advise everyone in Florida to have a three-day supply of food, water, and meds during the season? They are now recommending you have at least a week's worth because the supply chain has been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Speaking of coronavirus, the governor says they're taking COVID-19 testing to the public. Home Depot and Publix are setting up micro-testing sites in their parking lots beginning in South Florida. But the focus does remain on adult living facilities that have turned out to be the most dangerous places to live during the pandemic. Half the fatalities in Florida were residents or staffers at long-term care. This may be the week we find out if Donald Trump is moving the Republican National Convention out of North Carolina because he doesn't like their social distancing requirements. Governor DeSantis wants them to come here. We'll also have your calendar of events and check in with Florida man and Florida woman. One tried to steal a house using a piece of paper. The other tried to ship cell phones to ISIS to make pressure bomb detonators. It did not end well for either one. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, June 1st. Let's begin with the numbers. The latest official stats from the state show 56,163 cases of coronavirus and at least 2,534 fatalities. But that last number is an undercount. You see, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, Florida has also seen a 26% increase in deaths from influenza and pneumonia. That's 300 more than at the same time last year. The chief of mortality statistics at the CDC told the Daily Beast that most of those were probably COVID-19 cases, but were not reported as such. Fewer Floridians have been showing up at the state's drive through and walk-in coronavirus testing facilities, so Governor DeSantis says the state is working with Home Depot and Publix to open micro-testing sites in their parking lots, beginning in South Florida. We have the capacity to do at least 10,000 tests a day just from the drive through sites, but yet we typically only have demand for about half that much. And so we've told people... Come if you want to get tested. It doesn't matter your age, as long as you're an adult. If you're a kid, you got to have your parents' permission. Um, it, it doesn't matter if, even if you have symptoms. Obviously, if you have the coronavirus symptoms, you probably want to get tested. Um, but please come out and get tested. And, and, and we haven't been able to get enough demand to fulfill that. So we're going to continue doing the drive-through sites because I think they're important for people. Um, but one of the things that we've now done is walk-in sites particularly in underserved areas. And so we have several here in Southeast Florida, well, a lot here in Southeast Florida, uh, that's been really good for communities that don't necessarily, didn't have access perhaps to the same amount of medical services as some other parts, particularly counties like this that have you know, a lot of places that are very affluent. Um, and that's been good. We've gone testing people in like agriculture industry, some of the workers there to be able to see uh, cases, and there have been cases there. 
Uh, so we want to keep doing that as well. Uh, but we also want to do it as convenient as possible for people. Uh, and so I want to thank Home Depot and I want to thank Publix for both agreeing to help us make testing even more accessible. Uh, we're going to have three sites at testing sites in parking lots at Home Depot and three testing sites at parking lots in Publix. Uh, and so if you're shopping and you want to get a test, you have the ability, very easy access. You don't even have to leave the parking lot uh, to be able to do it. Uh, so we think that that's important uh, as Florida continues to recover, that it's as accessible and as easy as possible for people. These sites are the newest tactic used by the state to track down COVID-19, but the governor says nursing homes and adult care facilities are still the number one concern. The state of Florida, through our National Guard strike teams, we've tested close to 100,000 uh, residents and staff members at long-term care facilities. Of course, Florida has over 4,400 long-term care facilities. Um, by doing that testing, you've been able to identify outbreaks before they've spread uh, wider. Uh, you've even been able to have time where just one staff member comes back positive and you can isolate them. Uh, so we believe that that's something that's very important to continue to do going forward. And the reason why you have more risk there is, one, because you have more elderly population, mostly have underlying existing health conditions, but then you also have an environment where the virus can spread rapidly. Close quarters, um, you have a lot of contact, and so if you have a staff member introduce it asymptomatic, it can spread quickly. So we've got to keep doing this um, and do the periodic testing of staff, testing the residents, uh, because that's really the best way that we can, that we can help save lives. The state of Florida has had more COVID-related deaths in the age 90 and above bracket than it's had in the age 65 and below bracket. Um, and that is pretty, pretty stark. So we've got to continue to do that, and we will. Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says the state is testing as many residents and staffers as they can at these facilities. You know, the governor talked about it, you know, all the 100,000 tests we've done at long-term care facilities. We now are doing 10,000 tests per day at these long-term care facilities. They've been a priority of ours. It's why uh, we were very early on in closing these facilities, looking at the lessons learned in the state of Washington, talking to my counterpart there, talking to the general uh, of the National Guard out there, because you know obviously the state of Washington had the first outbreak uh, in the nursing homes, and we will continue to make sure uh, that they are a priority. It's why we're looking at things about helping them with negative pressure rooms and sanitation uh, as, uh, as well. More than 1,200 people have died of COVID-19 at Florida's long-term care facilities, and the Miami Herald reports that seven out of every 10 deaths last week in the Sunshine State happened at a nursing home or adult care center. Larry Polifka, who runs the Claude Pepper Center on Aging at Florida State University, told the Herald he doesn't know of any place in the country that matched this. Today is the day Miami-Dade County had planned to reopen its beaches, but after vandalism and theft in downtown Miami during protests against police violence on Saturday, the county mayor, Carlos Jimenez, announced the beaches will remain closed until a countywide curfew is lifted. He's hoping that could be as early as tomorrow. However, the mayor is allowing community pools and pools in residential buildings to reopen today. They've been closed since March. The Florida Keys have been off limits to visitors since mid-March. They even placed law enforcement checkpoints on the only two roads into the Keys. But those checkpoints came down at midnight and their self-isolation seems to have worked. 
While neighboring Dade County has the most cases in the state, more than 18,000, the Keys had just over 100 cases of coronavirus and only four fatalities. Monroe County Sheriff Rick Ramsey says the roadblocks were very effective keeping the community safe, but the time has come to end their isolation. We could learn later this week if Florida will end up hosting the Republican National Convention in August. It's now scheduled to take place in Charlotte, but Donald Trump's been threatening to move it elsewhere if North Carolina doesn't relax its social distancing regulations. And Governor DeSantis is trying to convince him it should come to Florida. We want to host it. Um, I think late August uh, we're going to be uh, ready to do that. And obviously his government can tell us what we need to do to make sure it's safe. But I think uh, I think we should do it. It'll be a huge, huge economic boon uh, for the state. And um, I think that they're losing patience with North Carolina. And if they don't get, get answers, um, that at least the state will work with them. Then I think they are looking elsewhere. And of all the states that um, have put up their hand, and there have been a lot of them that want it, uh, but I think we would be the most natural landing spot uh, for it. So I think you're going to probably get an answer on this within the next, uh, probably the next week, because at some point you got to either pull the trigger or you don't. It's going to take time for people to be able to get in place um, or whatever. But I think it would be good for Florida. Jacksonville is a leading contender for the convention, but the governor says there are several other Florida cities that could host the RNC if they really do move. Next up on Sunrise, a deep dive on the start of the hurricane season. It's your chance to save a few bucks at the state's expense. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local healthcare provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org/covid for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise and to the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season, which began at midnight. Governor DeSantis says this is the time to get your hurricane supplies because there's a temporary sales tax holiday underway that allows you to save on a variety of items that will be useful if there is a storm. We need to be preparing for hurricane season. It's obviously how you do certain things with evacuations. You know, if we have the virus still prevalent in the community, is something that is going to have to be a big part of that. Um, but we also want individual Floridians to be prepared. Uh, so it's great to be here at Home Depot. I know Floridians have been packing Home Depots throughout this mitigation period, uh, but we're officially kicking off uh, the hurricane preparedness tax holiday, uh, which extends through Thursday, June 4th. So please take advantage if you need flashlights, if you need batteries, if you need generators, any other materials through this period, uh, it's all tax free. And we want people to plan, have a plan for their family, prepare, um, and hopefully we get spared uh, having major storms hit the state of Florida. But as we know, going through this every year, uh, you've got to be prepared for the storms to come. And if you're prepared, then you'll be able to weather the storm um, effectively. I really appreciate the, the legislature passing this holiday. Last year, I'm glad I was able to sign it into law. We're going to do that again uh, for next year as well. Uh, but if you need those supplies, now is a great time to be able to get it. Let's prepare for the worst, but hope for the best when it comes for hurricane season. The governor made this announcement at a Home Depot in Boca Raton, where Jacob Roberts says they're stocked up with everything you need. Back in the early 90s, Hurricane Andrew hit South Florida, 
And as a company, that's when we realized that disaster response had to be one of our priorities. And we take that very seriously. Um, our wish, our hope, is that we will not have a hurricane landfall in 2020. But what we want to make sure is that everyone understands that, that we are prepared. Uh, we put a task force together of experienced hurricane leaders, and then we took what we've learned over the last three months with the COVID-19 response and the things that you're seeing throughout the store, and we have a plan. Uh, we will be able to serve our customers during the hurricane season with a landfall or without, um, and we are prepared, and then we ask you to do the same thing. Um, the Home Depot Foundation has pre-fortified our nonprofit organizations with supplies to make sure they can respond as well quickly after a disaster. Most years, the disaster planners tell us to make sure we have at least three days supply of food, water, and medications in case of a storm. But thanks to COVID-19, Florida Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says you should now have seven days worth set aside because the pandemic has disrupted the supply chain. I promise there's nobody who wishes we do not have a hurricane more than myself this year. Uh, but, but we'll be ready. Uh, the folks at the Division of Emergency Management are, are battle-tested. Uh, you're talking Hermine, Matthew, Irma, Michael, Dorian, and now the pandemic. And so, uh, you know, we'll be ready. We've been at a level one. It's the first time we've been at a level one carrying into hurricane season. Uh, and so we've done a lot of hurricane preparation. I've taken our planning cells, separated them out from the COVID-19 day-to-day response to make sure that they're doing hurricane COVID-19 response and the things that they would change. One of the big lessons learned from the pandemic is we have to have a lot of uh, materials on hand. And so we have 10 million masks in reserve for hurricane season. Uh, we have 5,000 thermometers, uh, 5 million gloves, a million face shields. And we went out and purchased 50 large capacity generators just in case power restoration takes longer uh, than usual. We're working with the CDC, FEMA, and the American Red Cross on shelter standards. Uh, we are also uh, really leading the charge on non-congregate sheltering. That's using hotels uh, as potential shelters. Uh, so we've compiled a list of 200 hotels that have signed up to do that. We're going to continue to add to that. And we will provide those to the counties because, as the folks know behind me, sh evacuations and shelters happen at the county level. But we want to make sure that they have the tools available, whether they decide to use those tools, uh, those non-congregate shelters for COVID-positive people only, uh, for seniors only, or people with underlying conditions or just general use. The folks behind me will make will make those decisions, but we want to give folks options because the most important thing, in my opinion, going into hurricane season is that if you live in an area and that area is not safe for you with a hurricane approaching, we must make sure that you feel comfortable to leave your house and get out of harm's way. And we got to have that confidence that we're providing a safe place to go. We can reopen everything, but if you don't have the confidence to go back out, you're going to stay. Uh, and so we'll continue to make sure that we're mitigating those risks as we go through uh, the, uh, the remainder of the period that we're dealing with COVID-19 and obviously as we get uh, into hurricane season. Uh, we talk about know your zone, know what evacuation zone. We also want you to know your home, especially in the June and July period when maybe our storms are not major hurricanes like the August and September period. And that may be because if your home is safe for that hurricane approaching, sheltering in place may be the best option for you. And the folks, again, behind me will make those decisions. Uh, so if you live in a newer structure, a newer house that has more up-to-date code and we're not dealing with a major hurricane, perhaps staying in place is the best case scenario for you. We want to make sure you have seven days of supplies. Now's the time to go do that. Let's not rush to the stores. 
uh, you know, as, as we get into a hurricane, you know, with a hurricane approaching, let's make sure we're being proactive uh, because, as we know, supply chains, because of the, of the pandemic, uh, have been difficult. So right now is the time to do that in an orderly fashion and prepare and get seven days worth of supplies. The sales tax holiday expires on Thursday. The hurricane season lasts until the end of November. Your calendar of events today begins with the Consumer Services Committee of the state-backed Citizens Property Insurance Corporation. They're holding a conference call at 9 to talk about the 2020 catastrophe preparations amid COVID-19. The State Child Abuse Death Review Ad Hoc Committee meets at 1130 to talk about messaging that will be used regarding child safety during the pandemic. The Claims Committee of Citizens Property Insurance is holding a conference call at 1 about issues such as litigated claims and assignment of benefits. And Florida Democratic Congresspersons Debbie McCarcel Powell, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Ted Deutsch, and Lois Frankel would take part in a media call at 1.30, urging the U.S. Senate to pass a coronavirus relief bill that's dubbed the HEROES Act. Finally, it's time once again to check in with Florida Man and his female counterpart. A Florida woman is sentenced to almost six years in the federal pen for trying to provide material support to ISIS. The Justice Department says 35-year-old Allison Marie Shepard of Punta Gorda purchased and shipped 10 cell phones under the belief that ISIS was going to use them to detonate pressure cooker bombs. But the guy she shipped them to? Well, turned out he was an undercover law enforcement officer. Shepard pleaded guilty last year. Once she serves her five-year and ten-month prison sentence, she will spend 15 years on supervised probation. And a Florida man is busted after deputies say he tried to steal another man's house using phony paper. The victim contacted authorities after he learned he was being sued by Derek Sneed of Columbia County, who was trying to have him evicted. Investigators found a quitclaim deed that appeared to transfer property rights from the victim to Sneed, but it turned out to be a fake. Sneed is charged with fraud and forgery. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.